You know, last show called Kick Me, we started off talking a little bit about vaudeville and how I thought that was a little bit broad. Humor was a little bit different uh, back 100, 120 years ago. Uh, one of the things that was a little different was when you went to school, they used to say that you were going to school to learn the three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic. Get it? Reading begins with an R. Writing, the W is silent, and arithmetic is just a kind of, ah, I'm studying arithmetic. This was a time when your all-time favorite songs were How Much Is That Doggy in the Window or Where Oh Where Is My Little Dog Gone. Dog ownership was considerably more difficult 100 years ago. But what was not uh, worse 100 years ago was the level of education that the three R's represented. Came from a song called School Days, School Days, School Days, Dear Old Golden Rule Days, Reading and Writing and Arithmetic, Taught to the tune of a hickory stick, which meant if you didn't know you're reading, you're writing, and you're arithmetic, someone would beat you with a stick. Imagine the barbarity of it. What kind of, of stunted mental growth did that kind of discipline and rigor produce? Well, in order to make our case today uh, for the four R's, let's start with having a look at what students were capable of. And we're going to go to something that's uh, made the rounds. It's so damning that uh, the left has tried their very best to, to say that it's not true, but it is true. There's an actual archive of it. Let's take a quick look at a test from 1895, I think, in Salina, Kansas. You know, Kansas, that backwater. Uh, this is an eighth grade test. This is what eighth graders had to pass in 1895 in Kansas. Grammar, one hour to answer some of these questions. What are the principal parts of a verb? Give principal parts of do, lie, lay, and run. Write a composition of about 150 words and show therein that you understand the practical use of the rules of grammar. Now, when it came to arithmetic, you had an hour and a quarter. If a load of wheat weighs 3,942 pounds, what is it worth at 50 cents per bushel, deducting 1,050 pounds for tear? I'd be willing to bet you that not one student out of 100 in college today could even tell you what tear is. Tear is the weight of what you're weighing whatever it is in. So basically, if you're weighing the wheat, you take the weight of the wagon. Away from that, that's the tear. Find the interest of $512.60 for 8 months and 18 days at 7% interest. Find bank discount on $300 for 90 days, no grace, at 10% interest. U.S. History gave you 45 minutes, including describe three of the most prominent battles of the rebellion. Who were the following? Morse, Whitney, Fulton, Bell, Lincoln, Penn, and Howe. And name events connected to the following dates, 1607, 1620, 1800, 1849, and 1865. Orthography. Yes, you heard me, orthography. What's orthography, you may ask? Well, Google it. But here's what the eighth graders knew. What are the following and give examples of each? Trigraph, subvocals, diphthong, cognate letters, linguals. Define the following prefixes and use them in connection with the word. By, dis, miss, pre, semi, post, non, inter, mono, and super. And here's another one. Use the following correctly in sentences. Sight and sight and sight. Fain, fain, fain. Vain, vain, vain. Raise, raise, and raise. You see, 
all three of those words sound the same, but they're spelled differently and they have different meanings because words had meaning back in 1895. Just a little bit more. Yet an hour for geography. Name and describe the following. Monrovia, Odessa, Denver, Manitoba, Hecla, Yukon, St. Helena, Juan Fernandez, Aspinwall, and Orinoco. Name all the republics of Europe and give the capital of each. And finally, for physiology, 45 minutes for this, so you better get going. Where are the saliva, gastric juice, and bile secreted? What is the use of each in digestion? What is the function of the liver, of the kidneys? How would you stop the flow of blood from an artery in case of a laceration? Now, of course, that's what the three R's stood for in 1895, but in our far more advanced age, the three R's in school today are, of course, rape, racism, and reparations. When I say reparations, I don't just mean cash payouts. I mean things like not having white kids attend certain functions because their presence, their evil presence, makes other kids uncomfortable. And we can go on and on and on and on and on. And so what we find today is that we not only are not getting educations, we're getting anti-educations, and people are starting to wake up to it. As we famously talked about a few weeks ago, uh, the uh, School Board Association of National School Board, Association of School Board Professionals, or whatever it else is, wrote a letter to the Attorney General saying that irate parents who are suddenly discovering just how badly their kids are being educated and just how badly they're being uneducated and re-educated into political ideas, well, they're beginning to get a little upset about that. And needless to say, the people who sat on school boards for the last 40 or 50 years quietly encouraging this gigantic social engineering experiment, which has left us with students who, in the majority, cannot find the United States on a map and probably couldn't find it on a map marked United States. What is all this telling us? Well, first of all, the reason schools used to be so good in this country, the reason the public schools were the envy of the world, people used to send ambassadors to America to see that every single student Every single young person in America got a free education, and they got an education like the education that these eighth graders got in 1895 in Kansas. So what happened? What changed? Well, fundamentally what changed is that a healthy society promotes its history, pride in its history, understanding of its history, and then provides the tools to make the future better than the past was. That's what a healthy society does. And the reason they were teaching reading, writing, and arithmetic was because those were important things to know if you were going to improve the world. But if you live in a society where your entire purpose is to change all of that, then teaching reading, writing, and arithmetic, as well as all the rest of it, is a waste of time. That's valuable indoctrination time that you could be spending on kids, and they're just not willing to make that kind of sacrifice today. Now, every minute counts. You've got to absolutely inculcate in them the three R's, rape, racism, and reparations. Rape, meaning toxic masculinity. All boys are inherent rapists. They've said essentially this, not, not essentially, they've said this verbatim, that, that toxic masculinity and rape culture and all of this stuff, oh, no, 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 it's just terrible, 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 terrible. Don't go out on a date and, and, and don't do anything on a date because if you don't get a signed agreement and you don't get it notarized, then it's undoubtedly some form of rape. And time and time and time again now, we find that these stories, I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that sexual harassment and actual rape doesn't occur, but what I am saying is 
the frequency at which we're told it occurs is wildly, wildly exaggerated, and most of the time in national news stories turns out to have been completely invented. So there's that aspect of telling males, don't be males. Uh, the racism, of course, is easy. Uh, kids used to sit in the same classroom and learn together and be friends, but can't have that anymore. Now we have to have an entire curriculum dedicated to showing why one group of people, that would be the center of the country. This is how critical theory works, not just critical race theory. Traditional America, core America, is evil and must be destroyed, and you're either in that white group or outside of it. Have you ever thought about this term people of color? Do you know what the term people of color means? The term people of color means every single living human being except for white people. That's what people of color means. Everybody is a person of color except for white people. And then reparations, as I said, it's not just a question of, hey, give us money. It's, hey, give us everything. We're going to riot over a guy who uh, was dying of an overdose. We're going to erect a statue to him, billions of dollars of damages, go in there, smash the windows, and take as many large screen TVs as you want because of slavery. I'm not even going to get into what actual slaves, freed slaves, would have said about this or what the people who did actually educate people like Booker T. Washington would have said about this. It just says what it needs to say for itself. Now, those are the three R's of today, but there's a fourth R because, as I said, we're more advanced than our primitive ancestors. Education today consists of rape, racism, reparations, and it's a ripoff. You're not only not getting what you're paying for, you're paying for the worst thing that could happen to the kids that you love. Scott Ott just put his finger right on it a couple weeks ago in a right angle show. We were talking about all these school board uprisings, and Scott said, listen, if you send your children off eight hours a day, five days a week, to be educated by the state, and that's the limit of your involvement, then don't be surprised if these kids come back thinking like statists. But all of this is in the past now. All of this has already happened, and it's not coming back, which leads me to the main point of what I wanted to talk about today. In 1895 in Kansas, when these kids were coming out of eighth grade with educations far beyond anything that colleges, universities are graduating today, there are a number of occupations that aren't here anymore. They were people that made wagon wheels. That's not a, a big, bright future in terms of hiring prospects today. They used to make uh, corsets out of whalebone, baleen from, uh, from uh, whales. Also not the kind of market that you're going to find a lot of opportunities in today in 2021, 22, and so on. What I'm saying here is that certain things over time have become simply obsolete. They're simply not there anymore. There's no need for them, and they're not there. And schools are one of those things now. I know for all of us that may seem shocking, but it's true. If the purpose of a school is to provide an education, then schools no longer do what they're supposed to be doing and haven't been doing it for quite a long time. We used to be first in the world in everything. We haven't been first in the world in anything for 30, 40 years now. As they become more and more political indoctrination centers, they become further and further away from what we thought they were. And so schools are now obsolete. That doesn't mean an education is obsolete. On the contrary, case I'm making here 
is that if you want your kids to get an education, which is critical, not only to their financial success, but to their happiness, to their full flowering as human beings, their ability to, to explore life as, as fully realized human beings comes from education. And they're not only not getting it in high schools, elementary schools and universities, all of those aspects of life are being turned off actively. They're shutting those, those breakers down. They're obsolete. They got to go. In fact, they're already going. So here's my radical plan for the future. Now, I have to say, this is my opinion. I don't have kids, so I'm not going to be able to make this decision for myself. But if it were up to me, I would get my kids out of public school right away and I would put them into private schools. Now, your first response will be, well, how can I possibly afford to do that? And my answer would be, if you have set aside any money for those kids' college education, I would spend it right now, right now. I'd get them out of public schools right now as early as you possibly can and get them into private schools. Because by the time they get to go to college, colleges will be finished. Brick and mortar colleges like the University of Florida that I went to with Ivy on the walls and all the rest of that stuff are done. You don't learn anything there. Even in biology class, you're told that there's no difference between male and female and, and fundamental things like X and Y chromosomes are being taught to you as false information on a daily basis. And it's getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And there's nothing we can do about it. They are irreparably corrupted and like wagon wheel manufacturers. They are a thing of the past. Now, for those of you who find that to be a despairing situation, let me give you uh, one example. It's the only example I can really talk about. I am a college dropout. I did five years at the University of Florida as a theater major. And if you want to talk about the kind of degree that leads to untrammeled financial success and security, you're going to have to look a long way to find something better than a theater degree. So how did I get to be the, uh, the wonder of intellect that sits before you today, wreathed in, in, in laurels and, and sitting here on Olympus, handing out these bits of wisdom on just about everything? Well, I'm a self-educated person, but I didn't start out as a self-educated person. You see, I was lucky enough to not have gone to American public schools even in the 60s. So let me tell you what a public school could look like and should look like. When I was in fourth grade, not eighth grade, when I was in fourth grade in Bermuda at Saltus Grammar School, I was taking geography, history, mathematics, physics, chemistry, biology, wood shop, metal shop, physical education, reading, Spanish. I might be missing one but at least 10. And many of those lessons were two-hour lessons. My most distinct memory of, of being in school was sitting in a biology class in fourth grade and having the teacher pointing out to us a, a, a bubbling beaker on a Bunsen burner, and he basically said, how can we tell from where you are whether or not the bubbles you see are the result of heat or from a chemical reaction? And I put my hand up. And he said, what? And I said, uh, we could turn the heat off. I said, Correct. Now, it's not exactly a Einsteinian level breakthrough, but that kind of education, that constant challenging and that diversity of subjects coming at me at the same time taught me how to think. 
and it taught me how to ask questions. And now we get down to the real nub of it. Because if you talk to students today and you tell them that you guys don't know anything, what they'll tell you is, well, we don't have to know anything. They'll tell you this completely with a straight face. They'll say, we don't have to know anything because we can always just Google it. We can just, Siri, when did, when did the Revolutionary War end? Here's your answer. And here's my response to that. Kids, the problem isn't that you don't know the answers. The problem is you don't know what questions to ask. To say that you have unlimited access to all of the answers in the world does you not the slightest bit of good if you don't have the mental horizons to know what questions to ask. Now, there is a place for the socialization, obviously. Kids need to socialize, and, and football games are the only reason, really, for me to go to college anymore. And that has to be dealt with on some level, but they don't necessarily have to be together, you see. You don't absolutely necessarily have to have the socialization and the education in the same physical location. So I don't have the answers to this because I'm an idea guy. I'm good with ideas. When it comes to execution, I'm the worst ever because of the mental fluidity that I have, which most people describe as dementia or a highly advanced state of confusion. But nevertheless, I would recommend to you, after much consideration, that if you have set money aside for your kid's college tuition, give serious thought to spending that money now. Because if it turns out that four or five years from now, or however many years from now, these kids are ready to go to school, by that time, they are not only so socialized against you and everything you believe in, but have no foundation whatsoever, then going to college won't do them any good. And by that point, by the way, colleges will be doing what they're already doing, not teaching people, but teaching things like science is wrong, there's no such thing as male and female, here's a safe space to cry, we had a speaker scheduled to give you a different perspective, but so many of you panicked over the idea of hearing a new perspective that we've canceled the speaker, hooray. That's not the future, folks, that's the present. You don't have to like it, I don't like it either, but nevertheless, there it is. There is one big bright ray of hope, however. We are producing now the most poorly educated generation in American history. And we can look at this and say to ourselves, my God, there's nothing we can do. What resources could we possibly muster just as individuals, as parents, as groups of parents, as if it were our responsibility, you know, as if it were our responsibility to make sure that our kids got an education rather than just our responsibility to make sure that they got on the bus. Well, there is one thing that we have that they didn't have back in 1895. In 1895, I don't know what the average life expectancy was, but I'd be willing to bet you it was pretty close to 60, 65 years old. Today, it's pushing 80 or higher. The one resource that we have today is we have an enormous population of retired people, people who have been successful throughout their entire lives. Who would you rather have teaching your kids chemistry class? Some 22-year-old student who majored in education at Berkeley teaching how chemistry is all part of the patriarchy? Or would you rather have chemistry taught by a guy who was a chief engineer at Dow Chemical for 43 years? Which one of those people do you think would do a better job? Which one of those people do you think would be better able to instill a passion for chemistry? Or whatever the case may be. The pieces are sitting right in front of us. The retired population of this country is the single great unused natural resource that we have. And 
not only would retired people do this, most of them would do it for free. And, and to let that resource go, to let that knowledge just go and die in loneliness and despair and hopelessness, while we need them now more than ever, and while our children are thirsty, not just for the knowledge that they have, but for the passion that they have, well, that would be the greatest crime that I'm aware of in this new century of ours, where everything is available and nothing is understood.